Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Thursday, January 28th. Today we're talking LAFC, man. There's been a lot of stuff going on, just a lot of rumors, a lot of speculations. And a lot of things also going on in the world with the, with the market. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going on without Robinhood. Uh, crazy things, you know. I wish I would have invested in GameStop. Uh, would I, I don't know if I would have bet my life savings like some of those people have, but it is crazy. But here to help me talk about LAFC, we've got Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how you doing? Don't ask me about the stock market. I have no idea how that works. <laughs> so you you did not bet your life savings on uh, on uh, GameStop. You're not no, you're but one my of son, those people. My son was a manager at game at a GameStop out here in the Santa Cruz Valley. So I know about GameStop. There's no way I would have invested in it, but I've been to GameStop. Yeah, no, it's it, it's crazy what's going on, man. It's like the. I guess the the little people are able to control somehow control the stock market. I have a Robinhood account, and I just I'm I'm just checking it. You know, I was just saw, and you know, one of the things that was going on was that you couldn't trade uh, GameStop because it was going so high. And I guess the hedge fund people. So I checked my game. I checked my Robinhood account, and I see that GameStop you're not able to trade it. And then crazy things. There's a lawsuit filing. So many different things. But I wish I would have bet. Or at least I would have put like 10 bucks or something. I would have had like three, four hundred dollars now. I do know enough about this that know that it involves short selling, which is a market mechanism that very wealthy people use that have they have access to. And with head fund managers, it makes them billions and billions of dollars um, on, on the short sell, taking advantage of a company that is uh, not doing well buying their stock at a, at a depressed price. Um, and now with Robinhood, as you said, the people kind of took over. The people decided, you know, to band together and, and to sort of monkey up the system a little bit. And um, it, it, it's, it's funny. I've been watching on social media, some of the hedge fund traders very upset about this, that someone caught onto their game and actually rigged it for them. Uh, and now they're the ones losing money. And, and uh, I guess part of me feels like it's about time that the little guy, got to have a say here yeah no I, I feel the same way um obviously i, I don't, i'm not a big guy or anything like that but it, it, it's funny seeing some of those bigger people uh you know kind of you know, complain about it. obviously you know that money and i think i saw one tweet i don't know who it was but it was like they're like wait you're telling me that the the stock market has been a rig today's the first day that it's been rigged kind of just jabbing at what's been going on and then you have people like elon musk that are t- that are helping kind of push the movement too. I think he tweeted about GameStop and it just exploded. Um, but it, but it's crazy. I know I know we're not we're not we're not stock experts or anything like that. But I just thought it was interesting uh, with all that going on. I was curious if you had invested any money out of that. I was too late. I don't think I would have invested any of that money because I don't have that much knowledge and I just dabble, just barely even dabble on anything. But nevertheless, we'll we'll, we'll talk on we'll talk some LAFC. 
So yesterday, Kevin, uh, yesterday they announced the signing uh, Jordan Harvey. Jordan's a veteran. He's been with the team since the start, since even before they had the stadium. Um, you know, this to me looks like a signing, you know, that uh, a signing kind of loyalty of, a, you know, of a player that's been through the system, has been a locker room guy for LAFC. Obviously, I don't think this is a signing uh, that, you know, that it's going to make an impact on the field. I think the, the signing is more of the intangibles that uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Harvey brings to the table. What were your initial thoughts on the signing? I was surprised because um, Jordan Harvey, I think he's going to be 36. Um, uh, he played sparingly. He didn't get all that many minutes this last season. It may have been his lowest uh, uh, season in terms of minutes in, in his career, in his MLS career. Um, and he plays outside back, which is a problem, uh, an area where LAFC has problems. But the reason I think he's come back is because the team is very impressed with his leadership. Uh, he's become uh, in this last year with the pandemic and everything else, he's become a very outspoken guy in, in the locker room. He's a player uh, that other players, teammates respect. Um, uh, you know, he's been able to speak up uh, and bring the team together in some of these difficult times. But I, I think even more, more to the point, he is a guy that can be almost a coach on the field. I mean, there's only so much uh, that Kenny Arena, who is the defensive coach, and Bob Bradley, who's the manager, there's only so much that they can say. Uh, and when you have a lot of young players coming up, uh, you know, even Marco Farfan, who's coming over, I think he's 22, 23. He's a young player with national team uh, cap already. Jordan Harvey can sort of bring those guys along, teach them not only about the play on the field, uh, and Jordan can play a number of different positions, so he can speak to anybody on that back line, but also about MLS, about travel, about, uh, you know, how to comport yourself. Uh, with a lot of players coming over, especially these young foreign players, Traore and others, uh, you know, I think they need somebody that can kind of show them the ropes. You're not going to go ask Bob Bradley, hey, what, what should I, what kind of clothes should I bring on this road trip? Or you're not going to ask, you know, Kenny Arena, um, uh, you know, some of those locker room questions that, uh, you know, coaches aren't there for that. This is what the teammates do. And I think Jordan Harvey is a guy that does that. He's not expensive. Um, he'd probably make, uh, I'm guessing, be somewhere around 200000 Um and, it, it, you know, if you get an extra coach and a guy that can play some minutes at some point, that's that's good. This is going to be a very tough season. We haven't seen the schedule yet. We know that the union and, and, and the league are still negotiating a collective bargaining agreement. But what we do know is they're going to play 34 games. There's going to be a lot of guys going away for international duty. Um, LAFC has about a half dozen national team players. They'll be going away for international duty. We're going to have the Gold Cup. We're going to have U.S. Open Cup. Uh, there's going to be a lot of games and having a guy like Jordan Harvey, a veteran guy that can step off the bench and play a few minutes in some of those games, really going to be a big help. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's definitely an add on, you know, a player, like you said, just player coach, right. Just to have there. And I think uh, Jordan Harvey being able to be there to answer some of those questions and also being, you know, that veteran guy. And I think and he's also a guy that stays ready no matter what we, we, we saw him at towards the end of the season. He he got some minutes, and you know he he's just stayed ready, right? He was a, he was a, the veteran, and then the players that the, the young players could look up to. And I just kind of want to read a quote what uh you know John Thornton said about him. He said Jordan has been an integral part uh, of our club since joining us ahead of their inaugural 2018 campaign. Not only has he brought a wealth of experience and leadership to the locker room, but he has also served as a fantastic amb ambassador in our community. End quote. And I think just obviously the work that he's done outside the field um, definitely earned him this uh, one-year contract. Uh, I know a lot of people have been seeing online that, you know, they're a little bit 
a little bit, uh, may, uh, maybe upset about the signing because of, of his age and stuff. But I think you have to have a, a locker room guy. And I think this is one of those locker room guys um, that you, you're going to need to have, especially, you know, last last year you had some of those uh, the social distress and the, you know, social justice things going on. I think I think Mark Anthony said, uh, I could be wrong, but I think Mark Anthony said that Jordan Harvey was one of those players that stood stood behind, behind him and, you know, was saying that he also wasn't going to play. And I think that just speaks volumes and you need a, a, a player like, like that so I think it's gonna go it's gonna go a long way and I think like you said there's gonna be times that when the, the international players get called up you know for international play uh Olympics I don't know if that's still gonna happen but you know uh there's gonna be gold cup uh so a lot of different things and that that's when Jordan Harvey can come in and play some of those minutes um when when they're when their depth is going to be tested so I do see this as a locker room guy top signing of course it's only a one year but I can also see Jordan Harvey stay in within the LAFC uh, organization, even after he decides to hang up its boots. I don't know if it'll be after this year, but I could definitely see him uh, if, if, if he's interested being, being a head coach, being a coach or, you know, being, being within that system, uh, whatever, you know, whatever opportunities come from him. And he also loves to broadcast as well. So he has pretty yeah. good. He turned, he's turned 37 this month. So he'll be a 37 year old this season. He played 11 games, 11 of the of LAFC's 22, uh, eight starts. That's his lowest numbers. Uh, since he uh, really broke into MLS 2007 with Colorado, he didn't play at all. So uh, since he became a player, a regular, you know, those are his lowest numbers. It's the lowest number of games he's played. And I remember talking to him um, uh, last year after last after the, the 2019 season when he was out of contract the first time. And he said he didn't know whether he was going to come back. And he seemed at that point very nervous about his future. Um, obviously, they did bring him back and, and liked what he saw. I think he is one of those guys. That's going to go on probably to become a coach or be involved in the game somewhere. He kind of reminds me a, a little bit of Todd Dunavant when he was with the Galaxy, a, a guy who's not flashy. He's just there. He's solid. He answers the bell, um, doesn't make a ton of mistakes, doesn't, isn't, again, isn't flashy, isn't someone you're going to on the drive home say, wow, that Jordan Harvey, he had a great game, but he's solid um, and he's a very smart player. One of the things you saw from him last year, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, you know, when you get to be later in the later stages of your career, you lose some of your athleticism. He's not as fast. He can't jump as high, but he's smarter now. And, and I saw Jordan Harvey taking a lot of uh, interesting routes to the ball where he wouldn't have to run as far, but he would get there quickly because he could he could cover a short period, bit of ground much faster as opposed to getting in a 40 yard sprint with a with an opponent. He might only run 20 yards and he'd get there first. Um, just the positioning and, and the knowledge of the game and the anticipation, those are some of the things that Jordan Harvey brings. So even though he is 37, he, he you know, at times he will play a little bit younger just because he's so much smarter now and has an experience. Yeah, and I think we saw that towards the end of the season when he was able to be back in the in the, in the lineup. We, we saw him have a better second half of the season. I know he, he, he struggled early in the beginning of the season, but I think that that just also comes with experience. And, you know, understanding the type of system he's in, you know, they're going to want to push up and, and, you know, play the offensive attacking with the 4-4-3 formation. And I think he just really understands that and he could really, you know, guide those young guys uh, moving forward. Another thing that last week, um, they have also announced that they finally announced the, the signing of, you know, Jesus Mourinho, you know, the center back that ended up, you know, they uh, I'm assuming they own his rights now. He's an LAFC player. And I think that to me, that was one of the core pieces uh, that they had to get done. 
uh, for the for the uh, LAFC uh, defense in the back. I mean, you, you you we saw what they brought. They brought the the the, the, the Korean player, you know, Kim Moon Won, and then you know Marco Fafan. You know, all the different signings. But I think that centerpiece of having Jesus Mourinho there, I think, is going to really make everything look. Everything looks good on paper. What are your initial thoughts of the LAFC defense? Well, you know, and, and right now you look at the roster too. There are twenty five players. They they only have room for five more. So it's coming together. Uh, pretty early training camp starts February 22nd if there's a collective bargaining agreement so they've still got three weeks to go and they only really need to add four or five pieces when you look at the defense I the way I look the way it's going to line up it's I, I think Moon and, and Farfan are your two outside backs obviously Segura and Mourinho those are the guys you're looking at uh, to be Murillo to be your center backs um, that you know that leaves Christian Blackman a guy that just got his first call up from the national team he doesn't have a spot we know Jordan Harvey is a bench player um, you know, and, and that's going to be his role. And then there's some, you know, some really good young players like Traore and others. Um, but um, it, I mean, that's a solid defense, certainly an improvement over last season, um, you know, where they gave up 1.77 goals a game. That's the most LAFC has given up per game. You can't look at season stats because it was only 22 games, but 1.77 goals a game, that's by far the worst that they've given up. In fact, they gave up more goals last year in 22 games than they gave up in 34 the year before. Um, so the defense looks solid and, and Blackman is being your first guy off the bench because he can play center back. He can play outside back. He can play both sides. He, he's better as a right back, but that's what you really need because you don't want to, you don't want to have to, to change the whole team. So let's just say, for example, Segura can't play Blackman can come in and play that position. Let's say Farfan's injured. You know, maybe you can move Blackman into that position. Or, or Jordan, Palacios too on that side too. Palacios too. You don't have to redo all four positions you just plug one guy in and everyone else stays in their position where they're comfortable uh, you know i think that's a big advantage i i think the defense has much improved we'll see how they play together you mm-hmm. do have some questions you know you got um some guys where moon is brand new to the league farfan is new to the team and the approach um maria we don't know what you know he was in there for i think eight games last season so he got a little bit of a taste um but we have to see if these guys gel and have chemistry behind them though I think is the big problem. You know, yes, Cisniega, who was good at times, not so good at other times, and then Kenneth Vermeer, who, I mean, frankly, I, 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 I think they're kind of stuck with Vermeer. He's got a big contract. I just didn't see much of him last year. He, he, he plays the kind of style they want to play. He's a a, a goalie who will play out of the back. He's kind of a sweeper keeper. He'll come off his line, but you know, his best days are clearly behind them. I think he tries to play as a younger player, and he's just not fast enough to do the things that he used to do. I think they, they still have a big question mark at, at goalkeeper. Yeah, no, I went in just to finish the, the, the defender thing. Yeah. They look good on paper and I, I like this defense a lot more. And I think you see a lot more depth. Uh, you're going to see a lot more depth and being able to plug in those different pieces. Now to the goal goalkeeper situation. I, I think that's going to be the biggest question. And, you know, uh, because uh, obviously they, they, the only thing that they addressed was adding a third goalkeeper was uh, Tomas uh, Romero, I believe is his name. Um, you know, he's a homegrown player from Philadelphia. He's not coming in and playing those minutes. So it's like we've had you've had a shaky, you know, inconsistencies with both keepers. And at times both keepers have played well. Right. But it's it just been they've been consistent and consistent. And I, I think if you're LAFC, you, you don't have the trust. You don't really have the trust on either one of those. It's it's really a flip of coin, and I think um, for the for for how this team is built, it would be unfortunate 
if they if you know if they were if they were you know to lose a game because uh you know because of a goalkeeper mistake that happens you know you can live with one or a few goalkeeper mistakes but i think uh, because of the timeline and how the inconsistencies has happened, I think there is a lot of goal. There is a lot of pressure for this goalkeeping in LAFC, and I don't think what we what we've seen uh, the last few the last few years from Pablo Cisneros at times makes you feel comfortable like he is the number one, and at times it doesn't. And other times you see Vermeer, and then it just it just shakes your head. And I and I still go back to the saying. I think like if you have two goalkeepers, you don't really have one essential one main goalkeeper. And I think that's where the biggest dilemma and, you know, what we saw from last season, you know, going back and forth and not really having the trust on, you know, Hey, this is our number one goalkeeper or, or you know, Pablo's going to be in Kansas for me. I've just seen so much back and forth that, you know, I think they're, they're going to have to make a decision here. And I, and I have a feeling, I hope they don't, but I have a feeling this this next season, whenever we assume is going to start in April, that, you know, I think they may go back and forth this year. And I don't know if that's going to work out well for them. Well, I think that's a mistake. And the reason I think it's a mistake is because they are two different, it seems to me, from what I've seen, they are two different kinds of goalkeepers. As I said, Vermeer loves to come off the line. He'll come way out, way out of the box um, and, and almost be, uh, you know, another center back. And when he does that, his defense needs to know that he's there. They need to know where he is because they need to back up for him. They need, you know, if a center back comes back and Vermeer's way out of the box, someone needs to go make sure that the goal is covered. Um, Cisniega doesn't play that way. And so you're forcing your defenders into a, a, a situation where they turn around and it's like, oh, crap, the goalkeeper's out of the box. I got to go. Or they turn around and charge the box and Cisniega's already there. Do you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, it's a bad, I think it's a, they are two, if they were this, if they played a similar style, I think that would be okay. Another thing with, with Ramirez is, again, he was a, a really good goalkeeper earlier and he, in his career, he's a little older now, he's in his mid thirties. And so um, he, he's beginning to try to, to make up for maybe some of the, the, the slower reflexes and the slower foot speed. He's trying to anticipate uh, now to make up for that. And sometimes he gets us wrong. And that's when you see him way out of position on certain shots. Um, but it's something that is sweeping MLS right now. Uh, the philosophy in MLS has always been the defenders and your goalkeeper. Those are um, American born players. Those are domestic players. Why? Because uh, Americans, uh, the U S seems to produce um, goalkeepers was one conceit. And then the other part of it was you're not going to spend a ton of money on your back line. Your DP money goes to your attacking midfielders, your forwards. That's where the money was spent. That's where the, foreign players came in and then you filled with domestic players at in, on the back line and at goalkeeper what we see lafc has now they'll start a, a back line with three foreign born players that's very unusual in mls um and when you look around the rest of the league those american goalkeepers they're just not coming up anymore you look at galaxy they have they went to europe for their two uh keepers jonathan klinsman who is american but mm-hmm. came off european clubs um started his career in europe and then they have Jonathan Bond, who came uh, from the Premier League. So, and you see that, I think it's, you're beginning to see that around MLS. I mean, Vermeer mm-hmm. came from Holland. Yep. You see that, with, I was going to say, you see that with LAFC as well. And it's just, to me, you make a, such a great point because, you know, you, that, you know, American players have always, you know, been known for, you know, being, you know, the defenders and the goalkeepers. And I wonder where, um, where the, the LAFC's academy is to produce a goalkeeper, right? Because there's so much, you know, eventually get a goalkeeper from their academy, which is a hard task for any keeper. 
but to get, you know, a homegrown player potentially to eventually get, get them and be their starter. I think that would be one of their goals um, that I'm just speculating here, but it, it, you make a, a great point because I don't really feel like they have to go that far to get a goalkeeper. I don't really think they had to go all the way to Netherlands to bring a goalkeeper. Um, you know, after seeing the inconsistencies right within the, right within the MLS league, you could have got, I feel like you could have got another goalkeeper, but I think they went overseas and, I don't think goalkeepers that position that you want to go overseas and spend the amount of money LAFC did on that. Well, they they signed Vermeer using uh, allocation money, so that means that it cost them at least six hundred and twelve thousand dollars. Typically, you don't spend that much on your goalkeepers. I mean, there have been some exceptions. Tim Howard is one, um, but Tim Howard, you know, has he's the greatest goalkeeper in U.S. soccer history. Um, so that's a little bit different. Kenneth Vermeer is not Tim Howard. Yeah, it's not a play. Again, it's not a place where teams have traditionally spent their money. LAFC is breaking that model in a lot of different ways. Again, three of their four uh, potential starters in the back line are foreign players. None of them are DPs, though. But, you know, traditionally, uh, the money gets spent up front and the imports go up front and the back line is American and, and LAFC is taking a different model. But I still don't think they've answered that that goalkeeper question and, and you know Cisniega came from Mexico so both both potential goalkeepers and Romero is a Salvadoran international so all three potential goalkeepers for LAFC uh you know are foreign players and and you're right they don't have that academy that the Galaxy does with Galaxy 2 where they can get a bunch of players sign them send them to the USF USL championship and let them play and then you know bring them up on loan whenever they need somebody um with the 25 players that LFC has, that's, that's it. You know, they, yeah. they don't have a, a farm system like some other teams do where they can uh, you know, have interchangeable parts. Yeah. If, if you, if you had a pick between Vermeer and from what you've seen, right from Vermeer and Pablo Cisnegas, and I'm just going to put it this way for him to play every single game, right. Every single game this season without injury tournaments and everything, who would you play, put in as I, a goalkeeper? I would, I would pick Cisnega for a couple of reasons. One is because, I just think Vermeer is is a little long in the tooth. He's he's an older player. I don't see him getting better. He is what he is. If you look at that and say, okay, we can live with this, you know, he was better, I thought, in Champions League at the end of the season, but still made some crucial mistakes. Um, he is what he is. He's not going to improve. Cisniega is still a young player who hasn't played a ton of minutes. Yeah, he was a, he played some in Mexico, but I. I'd have to look back at his career. I, I don't know that he's ever been in a position where a team has said, you are the starter. You're going to play 90 minutes every week. I don't know that he's ever had anyone do that. If he did, you have to think with his age and his relative, uh, you know, uh, experience, he gets better as he gets more reps. I don't think Vermeer is going to. So I think you put Sistiega in there because I think right now he's better, but I also think he'll improve where with Vermeer, it, you, it, he is what he is. You get what you get. Yeah, and I'm with you. And I think, I think that was that was my initial thought. But I think once they started Vermeer in the in the Concacaf Champions League, I think whatever confidence Pablo Cisnega has had of him being the actual number one goal, goalkeeper kind of just went out the window. And I think you could just you're, if you're LAFC, right, you got to rebuild that confidence in him if you are going to go with them. I just don't think the recipe of going back and forth from goalkeeper to goalkeeper. Uh, is really going to work uh, unless there's an injury or something like that. I get it, but I think it would be three years in a row that they they go a lot of back and forth. And I don't I don't think that's something the fans. I don't think I don't think that's a recipe for success. I think you just got to ride with one with one of your horses and, and ride it out. Uh, but the next next thing I want to talk about is a player you you and I've talked about a lot, 
and I, I don't I don't know if you remember this, but you and I actually had brought this up. I think it was like in December before the players were actually going to CONCACAF. And I had mentioned to you, I was like, do you think that, you know, either it was at the time I was like, it was either Brian Rodriguez and, and Diego Rossi. I was like, I asked you, I was like, do you think that they would hold off on not coming back for one fear of in- injury or two of lack of motivation? Um, I, I brought that up because I was like, I could see that more of Brian Rodriguez happening. And now we look this week and, you know, tweets from a Uruguayan uh, journalist that I guess uh, Brian Rodriguez was on a radio show or a TV show. I don't know, but these are, these, these are the, this is a quote and this is where it came in, came from Brian Rodriguez. We are defining my future with my representative. I'm assuming his agent. I will not travel to United States until it is resolved. My wish is to go play in Europe, end quote. And then there's another quote that follows. He's like, there are many people who do not give much importance to major league soccer, but it helps you out a lot. There are, there are great teams, people who want to grow. I have, a, I have improved a lot of my physical, my physicality and speed, end quote. Um, just right off the bat, he doesn't mention anything about LAFC. He doesn't mention like, hey, I want to thank Bob Bradley and the staff. Hey, I want to do this. All he says is I want to go to Europe. What were your initial thoughts on, on Brian Rodriguez forcing his way out of LAFC? Well, you know, we knew he wanted to go to Europe when he came over. Um, it, this is not a surprise. Rossi wants to go as well. Um, I, I don't like the strong arm tactics. I don't like the threats. I mean, I, I, and I, I don't think that's going to be good for his career. I mean, the next team that signs him, um, um, probably part of the agreement is, hey, don't threaten us. You know, if we're signing <laughs> you, you know, we want you to be here you know, honor your contract. He still has a contract that, that uh, you know, he's still property of LAFC. Now, LAFC may decide it's in their best interest to cut bait and get rid of him. Um, and maybe that's why he's doing this. But he still has the contract. He's a young player. He's in an interesting position because I don't think he's proven himself in, in MLS. I think that he is a player that still has a lot of growing to do. It's the same with Julian Araujo, again, a guy with the Galaxy who's talked about Europe. Um, and really needs to get his his uh, uh, his yellow card situation under control. He 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 finds himself in bad positions, and and teams are not going to want to take on a guy who can't who's going to be carded every week and, and wind up spending half the season on the sidelines. Brian Rodriguez is not that situation, but he he led the team in, in assists last year. He had seven assists. Didn't score a lot of goals. He's supposed to be a playmaker. Um, he really. He's done that at times. I just don't think he's ready for Europe. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think Diego Rossi is, and I don't know where his what, what his situation is, how many feelers he's getting. I think Brian Rodriguez. He's a young player. Um, I think he would be much better served uh, in his career to spend at least one more year in MLS, play another full 34 game season, try to learn a little bit more. Because when you get to Europe, the learning's over. When you get to Europe, you're a finished product. You know, there are not coaches that are going to teach you things like they do in MLS I think you would be better served to spend one more season in MLS and I think financially it would be better um there was a report out the other day that the the spending in the transfer market is down 25 percent 23.4 percent over last year the amount of money that teams are spending on transfers and the number of transfers uh, are are way down teams don't have any money because COVID everyone's dealing with this COVID situation there aren't fans in the stands TV contracts are down teams don't have money to spend if Brian Rodriguez thinks he's a, a player that, that's going to go to Europe and make some money, he's going to make a lot more money if he waits one year. I think the other part of this, when you look at Rossi versus Rodriguez, Rossi, I think the guy that's that's 
more prepared to go to Europe. Now, Rodriguez played for the Uruguayan national team. He played in two World Cup qualifiers this fall, last fall. Rossi never got off the bench. So uh, somebody sees something in Brian Rodriguez that thinks that he is a better player than Diego Rossi, thinks that he's you know, uh, prepared to make that leap onto the next stage. And maybe that's gotten in Brian Rodriguez's head. Maybe he thinks like he can't learn anymore in MLS. I think that's a mistake. I think one more season here would do him a, a, a world of good. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think it's. I'm with you. I don't. I don't think he's he's proven himself with MLS. But I think it's more than that. I think I think the relationship that he had uh, this this to me just kind of proves a little more that the relationship that he might have had with LAFC with Bob Riley and the organization was not good. Let's just put it that way. Pi was not good. It was Pi going out the door towards the end, and he does he wants his way out. He doesn't want to play for LAFC. I don't think in his heart was ever to be, you know, his heart just it's not with LAFC. And I, I, I don't think he's ready for Europe, but his mind is already set to go to Europe, you know, and I just think LAFC kind of already knew that. And I think there were, we knew there was rumors at Calgary uh, who the reports have been coming up. I think it was last transfer window before this transfer window. They were trying to target him. And then Ryan Rodriguez through his agent, um, you know, was trying to go and his agent had been shopping him out. And I, you know, I've been saying that if his agent's saying this, I'm pretty sure Brian Rodriguez is also feeling the same way and saying this as well. And I think for the last, last, the second half of the season, his, his mind, his mind has already been, uh, you know, on his eyes has already been eyes on the prize and is to go to Europe. And I don't think, I think his love to play for LAFC has slowly, slowly gone away. And I don't think he, one, he has the motivation to go back and play for Bob Riley in the system. I don't think their relationship was good. I don't know what caused that. I don't know what happened, but just reading body language and he, I don't think he deserved to play those last few games. He never showed me or anybody that I, that I thought he was a, a, a great player to have a DP spot. I really feel like LAFC overspent. And I think they had an opportunity last transfer window, whether it was what they wanted or maybe they didn't want the money, but now they're in a sticky situation well, Brian Rodriguez is forcing their hand and he's not going to come back. And he's forced, he's literally forcing their hand. And LAFC has never been in a situation like this. You're, you're also talking about a player that's not the star of the team. He's probably the third or fourth best player at best, right? But in his mind, he is ready to go. You know, and I think that's where it gets tricky because if you're LAFC, are you going to want to take the, 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 you know, the, the option that Calgary has, which I think it's right here. I was talking to the reporter. He said it's a loan option to buy, which could become an obligation to buy if Brian Rodriguez plays 75% of the games. Um, and if you're LAFC, is that what you want? You, you want to go into that negotiation? And I think Brian Rodriguez's mind is like, hey, well, my agent's trying to get you guys deals and you guys are declining these deals. I'm going to force my way out through the media. And I think this is a tactic. I don't think it's the best way, but I, I don't really see LAFC. Ha- they have, I don't think they have any room to really wiggle uh, with, with, with Ryan Rodriguez and trying to bring him back. You know, I don't, I don't think there's no way you bring him back after this. I think you just got to, LAFC has to take the best deal at the table at this point. Well, we, we saw LAFC, um, you know, pick up Cody Baird, uh, uh, Corey Baird from uh, Real Salt Lake. You know, a guy that can play anywhere along the front line, um, a guy that's been declining in his productivity, but a guy that that fits the profile. I think one of the things they one reason they did that was because the situation with both Rodriguez and Brian Rossi or excuse me, Diego Rossi was a little bit volatile. They didn't know what was going to happen. They weren't quite sure going into this transfer window, whether they'd have both back, if they'd have either back 
Um, so I think they tried to cover their bases. Corey, uh, you know, Corey Bayard is not Brian Rodriguez. Brian Rodriguez, has a, you know, may not be the, the best player that we thought he was going to be, but I think he's, uh, you know, a, a better choice uh, over Bayard. But if Brian Rodriguez does leave, you know, we have some, you know, Moose, you know, Danny can play on that front line. I think Danny's probably the best fit because he's the one guy that they have in the front line that is a true or could be a true center forward. You know, Vela is better on the wing. Rossi is better on the wing. Danny can play in the middle. Um, you know, the other guys they have, Apoku, I think he's eventually mm-hmm. going to take that Brian Rodriguez spot, whether Brian Rodriguez comes back or not. I think Apoku is going to get a lot of minutes on the wing. Um, again, not a center forward, but a very exciting player, a guy that could replace Rodriguez. Um, and then Christian Torres, yeah, he's very young, but you, you need to get him minutes. You can't bring a guy up at 16. Uh, let him play a couple of games and then all of a sudden put him on the bench. He's not going to develop. And again, they don't have a USL farm team for him to play. Christian Rodriguez has to play. So can LAFC move on from Brian Rodriguez? Yes. Do they have uh, players that can play that position? Yes. Uh, with the possible exception of a Poku, if he's developed, probably inferior players. I don't think they're as good as Brian Rodriguez, but um, you know, I, I don't think it's one of those uh, team changing moments. If they were to lose Brian Rodriguez, uh, I think they could absorb that. The problem is the guys, Poku, Christian Torres, those guys are very young. And then, uh, you know, Danny is, doesn't have the experience that, that uh, Brian Rodriguez has. So there would be a little bit of a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that the, the Corey Bear, Bear signing, I think once I obviously saw some of his film and, you know, how he plays in the wing, he's able to play there. And I'm with you. I think, I think it's going to be between, between them, Danny Masovsky, Corey Baird, uh, Mahala, um, you know, if they want to get that wing spot. But I think, you know, if Brian Rodriguez is gone, uh, you know, which it looks like, you also have a DP spot, right? You know, and what do you use a DP spot? I know a lot of people have been calling they want a, a number nine striker. Um, and I know Danny Masovsky is that, but I think a lot of people want a big name to come and play for them. And I, and I, I, don't, and I don't know if that's where they would use that DP spot is at the number nine. We know they got depth at, 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 in, in the midfield, um, but you can always add more there. Um, and like you said, Carlos Vela likes to play at the wing and sometimes they have him play at the false nine. But I think it, it gets interesting uh, for LAFC because you're going to have an open DP spot. I think the only way they're going to lose is maybe, maybe not negotiate a deal that they want with uh, with Brian Rodriguez, or they may just hold out and see what, what best offer they get. Um, because I don't think LAFC is going to get pushed around that much, but at the same time, I don't think you're going to want to hold on to an open D, uh, to a DP spot, um, you know, which makes makes it more interesting. And I think they do have the weapons. Uh, I don't I don't think they're going to miss out a lot on Brian Rodriguez. You know, you definitely have the weapons. Like you mentioned, Corey Baird, uh, Mahala, Danny Masuski. You're going to bring a lot of those weapons in. But I think the conversation now is the open DP spot. And what do you do with that open DP spot? Where do you use that? Uh, where do you, you you're going to who you're going to bring in? And one of the names that's being rumored around. And this was brought up by the extra time guys from uh, from the MLS podcast is uh, Kun Aguero, who's 32 years old. The only thing is he's out of contract in six months. So one of two things for this to happen, LAFC would have to wait six months till the summertime for his contract to be over or to uh, buy out his contract, get a transfer fee, which I don't see LAFC doing. I don't really see this happening, but what are your initial thoughts? I know you're a Man City guy. Yeah, well, the, the one, first of all, with all of these rumors, and especially with us being in LA, 
um, you have to look at whether this makes sense. And the, one thing I've learned from agents is the more team names they can have attached to their player, the better it is. It, you know, if, if you can say, oh, Tottenham wants us or West, you know, uh, the West Bromwich Albion wants our player, the more names you can, uh, teams you can attach to that, the better. It makes the, the team that you're negotiating with think there's interest. And I say all that because anytime a European player is thinking of coming to the U.S., which teams are they going to? It's Galaxy and now LAFC. We hear about uh, Anton Griezmann wants to come play with Carlos Bella, his buddy. Uh, he wants to come to MLS. We know that. Um, but you don't hear them talking about, oh, I want to go to FC Cincinnati. Oh, I'd really love to go play for Sporting Kansas City. No, <laughs> yeah. they want to come to the Galaxy and LAFC. And so those are the names that are always attached to these rumors. So you have to step back and say, okay, here's another rumor, a big name player. He's coming to LAFC. Does it make sense? And so when you look at this rumor, you know what? We just talked about they don't have a center forward. That's Sergio Aguero's spot. He would be great. He's still 32. He's right now, he's sidelined for a month with a thigh injury. He's had injury problems lately, but still a productive player. I think he'd be a very good productive player in, in MLS. So you have a guy that has a couple years left, plays the position that you need. As you mentioned, he's out of contract at the end of the year. Um, LAFC could wait for the contract to run out. Or if Man City decides that they really don't need him anymore and he's not playing a lot, um, they could just let him go. You know, it's in their interest to get him off their payroll and, and to just move on with him and not have this become an issue as the season ends and have, you know, Cunegaro going to the press and say, am I going to be resigned? What's going on? So it's in Man City's interest to move him if they decide he's not going to be a, 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 an important player for them down the stretch. He fits a need at, at LAFC. Here's the big problem. His market value, which is not what he's going to get paid, but his market value is about $38 million. That's not going to happen. Um, if, if they move Brian Rodriguez, they do get a designated player spot. Um, they probably cannot afford to pay him more than Carlos Vela because of the, the dynamic of what would happen with that in the locker room. So you're looking at something around $5 million, $6 million for Cunaguero. Uh, would he want to come and play for that? Um, would LAFC want to pay him that? Um, so you have to, to deal with all of these things. The, having the DP spot open really helps. You know, bringing him into a position of need really helps. If they were to go down that road and start pursuing that, the message to me would be that LAFC needs to win now. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, yep. they brought a lot of really good young players. They're going to be good for a while. I mean, you look at uh, Mahala and you look at uh, uh, Moon even is 25. A lot of really good young players, but, you know, K, Blessings only is, young, you know, a very young player, 22, I think. They're set for a long time. Giga Rossi's young if they keep him. But Vela's going to be 32 this season. Cunaguero is 32. Um, I think that that would mean that they need to win now because these, these their star players, Vela, they're getting a little bit older and the window may be closing on them. So if, if this generation is going to win an MLS Cup, they may feel that they need to do it now. If they were to go after Cunaguero, that's what the message would be to me because the other message is everything else they're doing is young, is youth-oriented. If they were to go to get a 30-some-year-old player and make him a DP, that tells me that they think that that window's closing. Yeah, and I think, I think just to add on to that, I think they want to, they want to, LAFC, right? They want, they haven't won outside of the supporters' show, which is very important, right? But 
they just came so close of winning, you know, the, the CONCACAF Champions League. You know, last week, I think it was last week I had, you know, a fan, you know, LAFC Live on the show. And, you know, that's what they're hungry for. That's what the fans, that's what the organization is, is that silverware. And, you know, we, they know, I know that they have all this young talent and it's not in their DNA to go out and get a 30-year-old player. Uh, and I think people may say Vela, but I think that was a different situation. He was actual, he was actual main piece, right? That was going to make everything work. And he was um, only 28 at the time. Yeah, 20, know, 28 at the time, time as well. And I think if you get a player at Kun Aguero, that tells me LFC is all in. Or a, not just Kun Aguero, or a, a, a player like him, his caliber, let's just say that. I think that will that will send a message to the fans and to everybody um, that's paying attention to LFC is ready to win now and ready to win everything uh, this season. Not that not that they were, but with with the opening of a DP, DP spot, with the uncertainty of Diego Rossi, he may he may leave as well, or he may come back next season. I mean, excuse me, or he may get transferred uh, out this season. I think that would that that would really send a message. I think that's a message that the fans want. I think that's that's something that potentially the organization may be open to doing if, if it's the right fit. It may be Kunagüero. We have to see how his knee and everything is doing. Or it may be a player like his caliber that feel that, hey, this player is really going to help Carlos Vela and the rest up top to help us win an MLS Cup. Now, do you need to spend all that money? I don't necessarily think so, but I do think you need to bring a player, a player of caliber like, because I don't think you need... Uh, a younger talent. I could be wrong, but I don't know if you need a, a lot more talent, younger talent with that DP spot. I think if you bring in a solid, more mature uh, player, he doesn't have to be 30 years old. He can be, I don't know, 28, 29. But I think if you bring in a more mature player and if you bring in, uh, if he's a number nine spot, I think that's really, that's really going to make things, um, I think that would make things work for LAFC and what their goals are to, to win Silverware. Because I feel like, they they have to win silverware. I don't think it's I don't I'm not gonna say they have to win silverware this year, but after coming so close last year, I think that that taste in your mouth, you 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 got to feel for them. But but you have to also look at the you know when I told you again like when rumors start to come up, um, and you have to say does this fit? And I get and you can make an argument that Kunagero fits because he they do need a center forward. He fits in there. He's he he's fits not, if he's a free if he comes free. He right, yeah, and, and if he's affordable. Yeah. But, Look at the messages that LAFC is sending and how an Aguero signing it does not mesh with that at all. Moon, again, 25. Farfan, 22. Bayard is, is mid-20s. Um, all of the, you know, uh, the teenagers that they brought in, they had, I think, six or seven guys under the age of 21 last year at one point on the roster. They are signing young, talented young players, cheap young players, but young players. Their LAFC is going after young players. They're different from the galaxy um you know they're not going after big name established players they're bringing in players here to teach them their system and to develop the system and they're getting great players i think a poku is going to be a really really good player. i think so too yep. um so when you all of a sudden say okay we just signed six guys who are under 22 oh there's a 32 year old guy let's go get him it doesn't fit with the philosophy of the team so this has to be a one-off. It has to be a very special situation. I think you can make an argument that it is, um, but it's certainly not the the way that LAFC and John Thornton have gone around building this team. 
It's not, but I think they they did bring. I know this is a somewhat similar situation. They did bring in BWP. I know he wasn't a big and, sign, and then they let him go. And yeah, that, they, exactly. Had, they, they let him go. He but had I a think good season. He had a good I, season. And they let him go. I think they would. I think they would make it work if that was like a year thing or maybe a one or two year thing. Um, but I'm with you. I don't. I don't really think this is an an, an LAFC's DNA uh, to do something like this. But if they do, that will send a message to your point that they're ready to win now and they're ready to win everything in MLS this year. Um, I don't know. I think if he comes free, that's the only way I see it. I don't see LAFC paying a transfer market. And I don't. I don't. I don't really watch uh, the English Premier Premier League. But does he? He doesn't really play with Manchester Manchester United that much, does he? No, with Man City. He's Man, Man City. City he's sorry, not Man playing City. right now. He's he's injured right now. But even when he was healthy, he was. Uh, he had sort of fallen out of favor. He's coming off the bench a lot. They're playing Gabriel Jesus uh, and some others up front. He wasn't getting um, he wasn't getting a lot of minutes. He is definitely that's why I said I, I could see Man City very motivated to want to get him off the roster for a number of different reasons. So it's not a distraction, um, you know. So the contract is off the books. I could see a number of different reasons why Man City would be willing to move him as a free transfer, which is how Zlatan came over to the Galaxy. He came as a free transfer. But again, look at what LAFC is doing with the young players. Conversely, you could look at Colorado or Columbus, the defending MLS champions. You know, they they just signed uh, Bradley Wright Phillips. They just today signed, signed uh, Barry Kitchen. Barry Kitchen. Yeah. So they're, what are they doing? They're getting older veteran established players. Why? That's their philosophy. They think maybe they have one more run on it. They want these veteran players. They don't have the wealth of young players. They don't have the scouting system maybe that LAFC has. I mean, LAFC signed a couple of players from Ghana, and then they signed players from Korea. They're really, you know, scouting the world. Columbus is scouting MLS. And so you look at Columbus, they're going to build with veterans, and and obviously they have a very short uh, game plan. LAFC is building this thing for the future and bringing young players over. So and a signing like a guy like Aguero would, would have to tell you that for whatever reason, this, this season is really important. We're going to, we're going to go away from our philosophy a little bit and, and try to win this season. Um, it, it doesn't make sense any other way because everything else that they're doing points you in the other direction. Yeah. I think, I think, I think there's a possibility. And I think, I think there's a possibility a player like Aguero gets signed because I think if we look at the games, some of the, you know, the most important games, I think what I've seen, um, this is just my view, but I think some things that I've seen, I think they've missed some, missed out on some of the, the maturity, uh, you know, and call, learning how to close out games, right? You know, learning how to put teams away. And I, obviously I know they're a young club. They're in the third, fourth year of, this, uh, of the MLS. Um, but I think that is one thing. They, they've done a great job recruiting, uh, you know, young talent and that we're going to see in MLS for, for years to come. But I think that is a one caveat to their to their team is, you know, that maturity as a club and being able to close out to close out teams, you know, on the field and just different things like that. I think that's what they're missing. Um, is it Kunagura? I don't know. But I think they need a player that – has a little bit more maturity, uh, you know, just just to see the, on the field and just be able to help put the game away. And, you know, if, if Rodriguez is going to be out, I think you fill that. I don't know if you fill that role with another young player unless he's electrifying and is able to make an impact. Um, but if, if that's not their model and they don't want to go after Kunagüero, I think wherever they spend that money on that on that DP spot, I think it's going to be very crucial. And I think everybody's going to be paying attention. And I think a lot of people are expecting it 
to be up top. Um, could you see them using that third DP spot if Rodriguez is out somewhere else? Not, not unless like a great goalkeeper came available and, and no one. Ever... <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not in love with their goalkeeper. <laughs> you know, I, I think Colorado is the only team I could think of that has used a, went out and signed a DP goalkeeper when they got Tim Howard. And again, that was a special case. Um, no, I think they need to use it up front. That's where teams traditionally spend their money. That's where you have a, you, a striker always has a more impact than a center back. Now you can argue that, Without a center back, you know, a good center back, you're going to give up goals and you're going to lose games. I understand that argument. But, um, you know, an attacking midfielder, uh, you know, a forward, that's where teams seriously spend their money. You know, you can look through MLS um, at where everyone uh, at all the DPs and, and that's what you'll see. When you talk about not having players to close out games, remember, they did. They they did in their supporter shield season. They had Stephen Bettishore. They had Walker Zimmerman. Those were guys that knew how to close out games. You talk about closing out games up front. What you're talking about there with uh, Avella or Rossi is it's just maintaining possession, not giving the other team a chance to have the ball. Well, what happens when the team does have the ball? I mean, I think in that last Champions League game, the last two goals, it was the defensive breakdown. It was the the, the, def- the back line was not able to close out games. And I think that's what Steven Bettesor and, and Walker Zimmerman brought. Um, you know, some of those players, Segura and, and, and Morillo and those guys, they're going to be really good players. Um, you know, Tristan Blackman, but they were, they were caught out of position and, and they were not able to close out those games. And that's what happened. And that's probably another reason why Jordan Harvey is back. Um, I, I think you may see Jordan Harvey may turn out to be that guy that comes off the bench in the 75th minute to do that very thing to, to help the defense close out games. Yeah, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be very interesting on uh, what happens, and I think, you know, just kind of look close this out. I think Brian Rodriguez, and that this is the reason why we started this conversation. Um, you know, the Brian Rodriguez experience experiment never worked. I, I think. I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say that, I, in my eyes, it was it it was, in some way, a failure, but it also I think a learning curve for LAFC because. Um, they learned that I think they learned that what 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 could actually happen as a player from overseas saying like forcing their way out. They've never experienced this as an organization, as a league. Everybody seems to go along with what Bob Bradley says in the organization. And Brian Rodriguez has always pointed out to me to kind of be indifferent on his views and just different things on how he goes about it. And, you know, I think I was never impressed with Brian Rodriguez play, um, you know, throughout the season. I know you brought up the stats of, you know, I know a lot of people bring those up, but I, of him being the assist leader, but that to me, that never, there was never one assist or any, any game that he impacted that anybody, anybody's free to tell me, but I don't think there's any game that he impacted that they won or it was the reason because of he, he won. And I think it's, it's also a benefit for LAFC if, if, if he ends up leaving. Um, obviously, this is not the way you want a player to leave. Um, and I'm also interested to see how how they'll, they're going to recruit with Peñarol. And, you know, because they spent a lot of money to, to bring Brian Rodriguez here. And he didn't pan out. And now he's acting out. And, you know, when a player is acting out like this, you know, we've seen things like this in, in, in other leagues and stuff like that. You know, it, it's, it, you're going to cut their ties. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're here tomorrow or next week or something, you know, hey, they they sold the player, they sold Brian Rodriguez, 
to whether if it's Calgary or whoever, I wouldn't be surprised if that literally happens tomorrow. That literally happens Monday morning, or it might already happen as, as we're talking about it, because, you know, there, there's just so many things that you don't want to have a player. And I think they, they kind of knew that going into the, the end of the season that Brian Rodriguez maybe wasn't fully on board. We can only see what we could see, but I was kind of catching on to a lot of those things. And I think I'm very interested to see how uh, LAFC will, will scout moving forward with Peñarol with a player that has aspirations to go to Europe, which is totally fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with that wanting to go up there. But I think if you're LAFC, you got to see if as a, are these players coming for the right reasons to LAFC or or is their goal just to get to Europe? Or are they just going to come here for one year and expect to go to Europe? Or are they really going to help us foundation or build what we want to build here and then, yeah, take him to Europe. I just think in the case of Brian Rodriguez, he was just looking at it as a launch pad. You know, hey, I'll be there for a year and then I'm going to Europe. Well, COVID happened and things extended and, you know, his play wasn't that good. And maybe in his eyes, he was ready for that. And, you know, in his eyes, I think maybe in his plans, I don't think LAFC was, was in his plans for that long. And, you know, just the way you're kind of seeing these things, he's rushing his way out. So I'm, I'm very interested to see, how they will uh, move, they will, they will recruit move for, moving forward in, in South America. Well, in, I think the bigger issue would be this, if, if this in fact does go south and Brian Rodriguez does leave in an unhappy situation, that would be the second DP mistake that LAFC has made in four years with, remember Andre Horta yep. had to be sent back to Portugal. And at the end he was, it didn't even seem like he was trying. I know he was hurt, but um, he didn't seem to be trained, you know, very hard. He didn't seem to, to really be in, uh, uh, to be applying himself when he was on the field. That was a situation where the team had to get rid of him. This seems to be the other thing around. But as far as the reason these young South American players come here is to get to Europe. I mean, if you're a 20, 21, 22-year-old coming from South America, MLS is not where you're going to stay. If you have any uh, ambitions, you want to go to Europe. We saw that with Miguel Marone. In Atlanta, Pitti Martinez wound up going to the Middle East, but those players came here with the goal of going to Europe. And I think Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez were both clear about that from the start. I don't have any problem with that, and I don't think LAFC does. Um, but if the player is all of a sudden saying, look, um, I, I gave you a year and a month, and that's it, and I'm gone. I mean, you know, Miguel Marone didn't do that. He, he wound up making uh, Atlanta United a lot of money on that transfer fee. And and. I think LAFC wants to definitely make sure that it gets a, its investment back. Um, this becomes another way for them to make money to, um, uh, you know, help afford their payroll. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't think they'd be adverse to moving him, but I, I think LAFC wants to feel like they don't have a gun at their head when they do. <laughs> they do. That's what I'm saying. And that that's what I'm saying. They, they've never experienced this as a club, as an organization, someone, you know, forcing their hand, and they, I don't, and I don't really think LAFC is sitting in the best situation right now as an organization. And I don't think as, as an organization you don't want to feel pressured, but I don't really think they have leverage in this situation. Yeah, they can hold on to him. Yeah, they can, they can. Hey, yeah, if you're not going to come play with us, but I don't think they're going to want to waste a spot, a DP spot. I, I know, granted, they have till April third, but I think within within the next couple of days, we also got to see what goes on with the CBA. But I think you also, I think if you're LAFC, they're, 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 putting a, they're putting a tight situation because of Brian Rodriguez. He's forcing his way out. And I don't really think LAFC will have that much leverage. The only way I see them having that much leverage is if they hold on to him and say, and say we're not going to trade it until we get what we want. 
that's the only way I see that happening. But I don't I don't know if they're gonna do that because I think they may want to use that DP spot. Um, they may want to get somebody within these next two months, um, you know, and not be forced on on a, on a deal that I don't know if they're. Gonna, I don't know. Like I know you mentioned the Dalmoron deal. I don't think they're gonna make. I don't know if they're gonna make that much that much money off Brian Rodriguez. No, the two different players. Um, yeah, but but LAFC may have learned a little bit with Carlos Vela. Remember, there was uh, Barcelona wanted Vela before last season, um, and it turned out after the fact that. Vela was way, you know, we had been led to believe that Vela was, you know, mildly interested, but take it or leave it. I can stay here. I can go there. Turned out after the fact that Vela really wanted to go to Barcelona was very, very unhappy with the team for not sending them there. So unhappy that he broke the MLS scoring record. Um, so it worked out okay for LAFC, but I, I do think that's in the back of some people's minds that they, they, their DP, their best player, they pissed them off by not taking seriously what he wanted to do. And maybe Brian Rodriguez is informing them a little bit on that too. Like it, it, it worked with Vela, but we got lucky. Maybe we should listen to this guy. If he's going to be here and be unhappy and be a distraction, uh, maybe we should move him before it turns into that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm so glad you, 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 I just kind of want to wrap things up, but I'm so glad you brought up that point because I, th- I think with Vela, I don't think he was as aggressive. He could have used the media and, you know, that thing, the table could have turned on LAFC, but, but I think Brian Rodriguez, if you're Brian Rodriguez, this is the way to do it. Because I think, I'm just going to speculate here. I think his agent had been throwing deals to LAFC and the LAFC was like, no, no, no. This is my speculation. The only way to make sure the guarantee is a move is what he's doing right now. And I don't... Well, and the fact he's in another country, that helps yeah, a lot. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. If, if he's Jordan Harvey and he lives in Toluca Lake, <laughs> just say, I'm yeah, not coming. Yeah, yeah. I'm not making that 10 minute drive down the freeway. Not at all. Not at all. But I'm I'm saying everything Brian Rodriguez is doing, he's he's not coming back to LAFC. He's going to be sold. He's going to be, he's going or whatever. And it's not going to be the deal that LAFC may or may not want. I don't think it is, but the way Brian Rodriguez is doing and going about things, he's going to get what he wants and it's to go to Europe. Now, does he get determined what club? Maybe, maybe not, but we'll see. But that is it. That is all the time we have. Kevin. Thank you for being on. Thank you for being on the uh, live show. And thank you for joining me on here. And we had a lot of, a lot of discussions. Um, is there anything else you want to hit on before we get, we get off? No, I'm out. of. I'm talked out. <laughs> You're talked out. Okay. Well, let the people know where they can follow you. LA times, uh, LA times.com or on Twitter at K Baxter 11. K Baxter 11 guys. If you guys enjoyed this episode and thank you guys for joining us on the live stream, uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple podcast. You can also listen to this uh, podcast on Spotify, wherever you get your music, you can follow me on Twitter at Gio Garcia LA and make sure to follow us on LA soccer hub on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all over social media platforms. Just here to talk about LA soccer and what's going on. For Kevin, this is Dio. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody.